Hi, I'm Chris Apolito, and welcome to Get Coach 360, where I'm documenting my journey from employee to entrepreneur while featuring the coaches that are helping me along the way. Each episode, these coaches provide actionable advice to help me and you, the audience, find more success as entrepreneurs. I invite you to join the journey so we can go and grow together. Welcome to another episode of Get Coach 360. In this episode, Chris sits down with Vikram Deal, investor, real estate broker, and conscious business coach. Your discretion is advised for this episode as Vikram employs the full use of his colorful vernacular to express his raw views on vulnerability and the many facets to becoming vulnerable. As Vikram sets the stage to unfold his journey before you, please be reminded that everyone's personal growth journey is different, and Vikram pulls out all the stops in making himself vulnerable in order to impart the most valuable lessons of his life to you, our audience. And, as always, we'll close with Vikram sharing his advice for how you can take action now to level up wherever you need it most. Hi, Vikram. What's up, Chris? How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh, awesome. Glad to have you on the Get Coach podcast. Um, we connected quite a while ago, reconnected, and we're making this happen. And I'm glad. <laughs> Uh, because you've got a fantastic story, which is how I love to start every episode. So do you mind sharing what your personal journey has been to get to where you're at now? Yeah, well, it all started with a drunk night that my parents decided to do some things and uh, create me. Um, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know that I know much about that part. I don't know that I need to know any more than, than what happened. I, and we're done. Now we're here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, you know, I mean, you, you could kind of guide it through and that way I don't, you know, if you need to tell me to get back on track, please do. Um, sure. Grew up in a small city in California, very, uh, very kind of whitewashed old farmer oil city. And my parents, my dad's a doctor. So grew up in a nice, very upper middle class family. And, you know, for the most part, everything appeared to be on the up and up and everything appeared to be normal. Uh, deep down inside, though, ever since I was even a kid, I always felt like I didn't belong. And I always gravitated towards older, older people because I felt they were more accepting and to people that just, you know, I, I always hung out with my friends, but I wasn't always with them. I was just kind of sometimes tagging along. I was always with my brother's friends. I didn't, as I look back in life, I didn't make friends very well. And I think that kind of served me in a point, but it also kind of disempowered me because I didn't know how to deal with a lot of the emotional aspects of, of growing up and having a, a brotherhood and a sphere of influence and people that I could look up to. And although I, you know, my dad and I have had our battles through life and we're currently in a battle, which sucks. Um, it, it, it shaped who I was and how I looked at people. And I can remember as a young age, just always kind of being there for others because I felt like I was just a, people just felt ease at, at ease to talk to me. And so as a kid growing up, I wasn't the sports athlete. I, I was, I always like to talk about money. Anybody who was successful, I wanted to be around. I always picked my uncle's brains. I always picked my parents' brains, my, their friends. You know, like the first question that if somebody comes over and I knew they're in sales or business, I'd be, how's business? Did you sell any cars today? How much money did you make? Like, did you guys, did you guys hit your quota last week? I didn't say quota. I'm like, but did you guys hit like the numbers you wanted as a little kid? And then as I got into older, like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you started to make goals. And so one of my goals was Jogathon. I wanted to win a Sega Genesis. And I remember my parents said, you, we won't buy you one, but uh, if you earn the money, you can buy whatever you want with it or whatever. So there was a Jogathon and the award was a Sega Genesis. That was like my first goal that I had set for myself outside academics. So I, I learned that I had a power of influence. I, I don't think it was influence at the age. I just knew that I could get people to listen to me. And if I set my mind to something, I always typically got it. Mm. Fast forward a couple years later, my parents sent us to boarding school in India, which really shaped a lot of my, my youth. And it really shaped my strength that I had in myself. Um, when your parents send you to a foreign country, 
at a young age and it wasn't really the norm anymore. When my mom and dad were young, I mean, that was a norm. When you're growing up and you're born in the 80s and you're growing up in a predominantly white culture, they don't do that. They don't send their kids to boarding school. So we got shipped off. I, I say shipped off because that's what it felt like to me because it yeah. wasn't really something I wanted. Even if I wanted it, it wasn't, it just wasn't the right thing in my opinion. But at a young age, I realized, Hey, I'm a lot stronger. We, we would bribe the neighborhood kids to go and get us these little like dumplings. They called them momos back in the day, but we'd bribe the neighborhood kids who would give them money and they'd run and get us food and then they'd come back and we would dish them the change because, you know, we didn't care about four or five rupees, but that was a lot of money for them or 20 rupees or whatever it was. I'm like, that's like 50 cents. Like, who cares? But to them, it was a lot of money. So they became our little delivery drivers and we'd throw money over the fence. And so we learned a lot of things about life and about how the system works. And we saw a lot of corruption growing up. I saw a lot of corruption growing up and I just you know, I guess it made me at a young age rebel against the system and rebel against corporations and people of power because I, I always saw people in power with, it, it saw them as greedy or power hungry and not necessarily serving the best for the community, but serving the best for themselves. And as I got older, I, I've just, you know, I came back from India after two years, we were there, we went to high school, no friends at all. And just, just a rough kind of couple of years of transitioning into having a group of, of guys or gals that I could hang out with. And I ended up hanging out with the kids that, you know, great, great guys, still friends with them to the day, but we got in trouble. We were the troublemakers. We were drinking and we were smoking and doing drugs. And I mean, we're always, we were always intoxicated, but I always had like that head on my, on my shoulders where I was like, okay, there's still responsibilities. And so I used to help my parents with their restaurant. And I, again, just learning all these skills, like learning all these little skills throughout the, throughout my, my life, go through school, failed a couple of colleges, whatever, no big deal. Got a degree, um, got a job, failed the job, even though I, I, because in my, my heart, I didn't believe in the product, the service that I was selling. Mm -hmm. And I, that's when I realized, okay, if I don't like the service, or if I don't like the product, I can't do it. I can't put my heart into it. And that's really hard for me because I love pouring my heart into people and into my passions and to just anything like this, you know, this whole day, all I've been thinking about is our time together, right? My prep is very low because it's about me. So I don't have to prep. I've been doing that my whole life, but I've been thinking about this the whole day. I'm like, okay, Five o'clock, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to get sun. I'm going to work out. I'm going to come back. I'm going to take my cold shower. I'm going to get my water ready. And I'm going to be set up, rocking and rolling at 6.50, or I'm sorry, whatever time it is, so that if we need a five minutes before, I'm ready. You know, so like, yeah. my whole day is like geared just to this one hour that I'm with you. Because that's just how I operate. I, I can't think about anything else because this is like the most exciting thing that I'm doing today. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, I, I feel this, I, I think I feel the same coming from you that this is, I mean, just for anybody who has the opportunity that's lucky and blessed enough to be on your show, they'll see the amount of prep that you have to do to be on your show. And that means you're doing your own prep work behind the scenes. Yeah. And so I want to respect that because it's not that my time's more valuable than your time or yours is more. It's that we made an agreement to spend time together. So I learned at a, at these, at these, mo all these different moments in time, the importance of keeping your word, the importance of just, you know, having that interpersonal skills. You know, if you're on time, you're late early, it's <laughs> on time. Don't even try showing up late. Cause you've already, you, your last checks already been mailed to your house. Like you're fired. Don't do it. That's how I grew up, right? Old school yeah. grandpa. And, you know, he doesn't, when the levee broke in his farm, he didn't wait for the, for the workers to show up. He was out there. And by the time the workers rolled out of bed, half hung over and drunk and, you know, irritated, we had already put the levee back together and they just had to, you know, seal it up. But we had already plugged the hole. And that's just how I grew up watching him, right? So those are some of the things. But as I got older, the things that I was able to, escape as a kid started to pay its karmic justice. And I've always said, you know, people say karma is a bitch. And I say, Oh no, 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 no. Oh no, no, no. Karma is exactly what you put out earlier coming back to you. It's not a bitch. 
if it's a bitch, that means you're a bitch or you were one and now you're just being paid back. So whatever you call karma is just repayment of how you were yesterday or the day before. Right. And so my, my, I, I guess I did a lot of good in the world, maybe this life or a previous life. I don't know, but I didn't do enough because it started to rear its head up. And when I got married, I got married around 27, 28, 29, somewhere in that range. Those, those numbers I'm not good at, but math and things like that, I'm really good at. It's commissions. I'm very good at it. It's how much money <laughs> should be in my bank account. I'm excellent at it. If it's how much money I owe you, I probably know, but hopefully you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got married and we, we had a really rough divorce. We had a very rough relationship and we had a very rough divorce. Um, a lot of abuse, a lot of name calling, a lot of just things that weren't, uh, I'm sure she's not proud of. If she, I talked to her actually a few months ago, she, she wrote me, I wrote her something a few years ago and she, she wrote back a couple months ago and she said she had just kind of blocked out that whole period of time. It's like, well, you're lucky. I still remember it. You know, I remember it. It, it was brutal and it was painful and I was you know, for a while I may have been the, the good guy, but after a certain period of time, I, I became just as bad as anybody else. Or maybe I never was the good guy. Our, our memory only serves us 50% of the time. 50% is proper. 50% of our memory is it's kind of hogwash. And so that was really hard, but I just dove back into what I know. And that was work. There was no meditation. There was no prayer. There was no spiritual journeys. There was no any of that stuff, it was just straight up um, back to work, right? Make money. If you make money, everything starts to disappear. When you make enough money, enough things will start to disappear. And um, that, that worked for a while. You know, I got the nice car, upgraded a couple of times, ended up with the dream Range Rover, right? The, the Range Rover that the guy that lives next to Bill Gates says, oh, you just got the sport Range Rover. God, you really need to step your game up, Vic. This is what this is what like my daughters drive. I'm like, yeah, but you live like three houses away from Bill Gates. I don't. So I would hope your daughters drive something super awesome. Like he's like, yeah, dude. I mean, it's a nice car, but you know, if you if you want to be a, a man, step up. So I was still looking for external validation. So I mm. ended up buying that car, which I have always wanted. But when I bought it, I was like, I'm there. That really wasn't the case. But I felt good for a while. And then, you know, the cars and the clothing and living in the nice place, right? Some of those were great. Others were just a badge of honor to show off to other people. Right. Got what kind of work were you doing? Oh, I, I owned a real estate sales. Uh, I, I started in real estate. So after the divorce, I, well, during the marriage, we started flipping real estate. And we did, we were successful in a lot of the deals. Uh, I think actually all, we actually made money on all the deals. It was, it was a time when the market was just bottoming. So we were able to make some money on all the deals. And then I got into real estate sales and then I built a sales team. And so nice. we were, we were very successful at real estate and the team was on fire. I mean, it was on fire, but again, karmic justice always, always has to get paid. And then it's either going to get paid in this lifetime, which is better for you guys and gals. Um, if not, then it'll get paid in another lifetime. And you don't want to continue to pay this lifetime's justice in another lifetime. You'd rather start that next life in, you know, a Lamborghini or a private jet, something like that, because you paid your, your debt to society in this lifetime. And so I, um, I started going to Tony Robbins events because after my divorce, I got the girl of my dreams. I mean, beautiful, smart, hardworking. I mean, we would role play, like not sexually role play, but like role play, like sales and role play. She, you know, one day she came home with this card of, uh, card of, um, objections. Okay. And we would sit there and we'd role play it and it was awesome. And I loved it. And she, you know, we would have, we would open a bottle of wine and we wouldn't even drink it. Cause we were like, Oh my God, why did we open that wine yesterday? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, we didn't even, we don't even drink when we're with each other. I mean, we just had a, like, we were just really good. And, um, I wasn't good though. And so I would cheat on her and I was just a fucking dick, man. I just, God, 
And you say it out loud, like I've only started talking about some of these things recently. Like I would lie to people. People are like, oh, do you ever cheat on a girl? I'm like, no, I'm a good guy. And I'm like, fuck, dude, you can't keep lying. Like that karmic justice keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. So I ended up one night going out with some friends and she got drunk. I got drunk. We were at separate parties and she ended up hooking up with a guy that had a big crush on her. And I found out about it. And that night I was inebriated beyond belief. And about four o'clock in the morning when I had to leave wherever I was at, it was just like I was at an out-of-body experience. I, I'm like watching myself get into this Uber. It's pouring rain. I get the keys to her place. I go there and I just start in anger. I just start trashing her place. That's bad, real bad. You, you know, damaging somebody's place, damaging their 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 sense of security. Um, I didn't break into her place, but you know, you still take away that sense of security that somebody house has in their home. What makes it worse is that in a relation, from a law standpoint, is that when you're in a relationship, everything you do is under the the title of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't teach you that when you watch the wild, wild West movies and all this stuff that this is a form of domestic violence, right? Nobody, nobody tells kids that, you know, yelling and screaming and fighting and not talking to somebody, ignoring people for long periods of time. That's a form of abuse. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a situation like that. That's how we grew up. We would yell, we would scream, we'd punch, we would ignore, we would, that was just how we grew up. So that's what I knew. That was just my pattern. When something didn't go my way, you break something and people start to listen. I didn't know it was that bad. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know how bad it was. And I didn't know how, how the, the karmic justice got repaid. So anyways, the, the low point of my life was getting arrested and going to jail um, when the judge said you need to spend some time in the slammer. And so I got put on work release for those of you know, who know what that is. Um, sorry or not sorry. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. For those of you do, who don't know what it is, good for you. Don't find out um, mm-hmm. for yourself. But I had to spend every night in jail. And I just got blessed that I had a um, officer who let me out. So I never spent more than like 18 hours in jail. And it was a really like soft jail. It wasn't like prison. It mm-hmm. was for the, uh, you know, not so bad offenders, but there were some crazies in there. But I spent, you know, 19 nights in jail. And I remember on the 19th night going in thinking, man, this is crazy. Like, holy shit. Like, this is crazy. Like, you, you, you grew up in the back of a Mercedes and now you're in jail. And I was like, this can't continue. Uh, I never talked to my ex after the day that I broke all of her shit. We've never had a conversation. We've never had any true closure to it, which, you know, I've had to just accept, unfortunately, but never been able to chat with her afterwards. Um, Was a kind of a prisoner in my own house for a few years. And so that gave me a lot of time to really think about how shitty of a person I was my previous life and how moving into the second chapter of my life, I didn't want to be like that. Did some personal growth signed up for Tony Robbins, became a platinum partner. And then I realized that successful people are also very spiritual. Like they don't have to be a part. I I thought you just had to be a part of a religion. So I thought it was either you're religious and spiritual or you're not. And I was, I'm not, but I still believe like I took off my bracelet so it doesn't clink and interrupt our sound. But this is like a cross in, in for, for a lot of people. But in our culture, it's what we wear to signify so I believe that there's higher powers. I just didn't like the organized part of it. Right. And going to these Tony Robbins events and like learning about meditation and Reiki and all these different things. I was like, oh my God, you can be spiritual and own a business and be successful and be rich and be not rich, but wealthy. And that's what I did. And I started meditating more and I started, you know, doing affirmations and gratitude journals and started to, you know, just start to clean up my inner being. And my karmic justice hasn't, hadn't been fully repaid yet because I hired what I thought was going to be, you know, the person, Gary Keller from Keller Williams says that you're, you're five or seven hires away from your, your retirement. Yeah. So I thought I had one of those five or seven people. I can't remember. I have to look it up, but nonetheless, I thought I had one of those key components that I was hiring that was going to really take us to the next level. And she ended up siphoning money from me. And she was stealing money and she had a pill addiction and she had a alcohol problem and 
she thought she was going to be Mrs. Diol. And so she just thought that money, like it didn't really matter because in her head she was, you know, she wasn't there. Like I can't mm. fault her for not being there. It's my fault for not seeing that. Right. I was blinded by the money. So I let go of somebody who was a really care about me and my family and then been there with us and really took care of me when, when I was going through my shit, I let, I had, I had to let her go. And I ruined that relationship. And then this new chick's fucking stealing from me and I let her go. And that's when my whole world just crumbled. I just physically, mentally, emotionally, couldn't pick up the pieces anymore. I, I just, I was broken, dude. Like the glass had shattered too many times. The duct tape was all ruined and there was just pulling it apart was just pain by staking. And I just had to pull myself apart. And I'm not, dude, I'm, people don't think that by any stretch of the imagination that I'm perfect. Sometimes people see the stuff I post. I, I try to be as clean as I can, but I, I still do crazy things, man. Right. I still like to live a wild life. That's just part of my DNA. But now I'm a little, I, I'm trying to become, I am because you can't try. You, I'm being more honest to people. I'm not hurting them. I'm not being selfish. I'm still working on that because you're, you know, it's a pattern that you got to break. And when I left the real estate business, I, I asked myself, what do I want to do? Where do I get the most passion and pleasure? And it's from, working with people like you, it's with helping people with their businesses. You know, my friends text me, Hey, what do I, what, what should I do with this? I'm like, well, that's easy. Boom, boom, boom. Oh my God. Why didn't I think of that? Because you're in the trenches. I'm not like, I can see yeah. it from, from the height. Well, how do I do that? I don't know. Let's reverse engineer it. An hour later, they got a plan that they execute on and their business grows tenfold, you know, 10% over the next 30 days. Cause of that one thing that we implemented. And I realized that was like, you know, one of my superpowers. And I also realized one of my superpowers is the ability for me to share my crazy stuff that's happened, right? Family, jail, divorce, ups and downs. You know, one, one minute you're making half a million dollars. The next minute you're, you know, two years into it, you haven't made 50 grand, right? It's like, what the funk is going on? And then you, you know, you start some things up and you're like, wait a minute, none of this is, like my sole purpose is not the gap is just so big. And that's kind of led me to where I'm at today, where I realized that getting people to open up and be honest about themselves allows me to go in there and just so, so much easier, like, and work with them to remove blocks. You know, I, when I, when I got into coaching a couple of years ago, I, I never could fully jump in because I don't believe that coaching is just about business, right? Mm -hmm. Mentorship isn't about business. I might not be your model for relationships because I'm not in the relationship you want. You might use me as what not to do in a relationship because I can teach you a lot of that. Um, but I can also say that because of the failed relationships, I've put in a lot more work than people who have good relationships. So they might, you might have a good or great relationship, but it's not outstanding because you're, you know, what's the enemy of great? Good. Cause you're in a good relationship. So you're like, well, I don't really need to work on it, but you're still, you have a little bit of something missing or maybe in the health aspect, there's something missing, or maybe in the finance aspect, there's something missing, or maybe there's something missing in the, the business or, you know, maybe you're doing great in the four F's, you know, fitness, faith, finance, and, uh, fitness, faith, finance, and fitness, Fam faith. family, family, but you're yeah. not having any fun, right? So maybe you're just, you're, you're always saying yes to other people, but you never say yes to yourself. So your, your family loves you. You're going to the gym every day with your wife. She's super excited, right? But you're just not, like, you just feel like you don't have any time for yourself. You don't have any fun time for yourself or the work you're doing, you've lost the joy in it or something of that nature, right? And I realized that, you know, bringing in this, manifestation portion, bringing in this holistic portion of life into all aspects of what we do feels so much better. And I don't know that this is actually a space that's been created. I know that there's holistic people out there. I know there's coaches out there. I know Tony Robbins is very spiritual, right? He doesn't really talk much about it. And then you hear people that talk about karmic justice and you hear people that are talking about like spirituality and meditation and manifestation. And I'm like, that's the shit that I love doing. 
Why can't we teach that? Like, why can't we teach that to people and still be entrepreneurs? And we're not like woo-woo, smoking weed, long hair, dreadlocks, you know, tie-dye shirts, incense everywhere. Like, why can't we have both of those? Why can't, why can't you? Yeah, there's, there, I feel like, I don't know. I think that there is a, a market for it. And I think it's becoming a lot more uh, commonplace because that's, that's an area that I enjoy as well, as far as, and I've kind of felt this way for many, many years, as far as being spiritual, but not religious, kind of like you said. And I find that I, I don't know, I feel like I meet a lot of people that are in that category of being spiritual, but not religious. So because wouldn't you find a lot of that where you live? I, I would guess that would be like very prominent there. So where I live is not LA. Okay, but close so enough as far as the proximity, like California, I feel like nothing. the state, no? Huh. No, so, so when I go to LA, I'm in a whole nother world of, you know, plant medicine and people, like, and you go to a restaurant and you order your crazy ass meal it's totally normal or like sometimes I don't always do it, but you know, I'm like these water bottles, which you can't see. I have, I write on there. It's like fun, joy, love, happiness, health, wealth, my name. Sometimes I write on the bottom because if you give these messages to the water and the food that you eat, you bless it and you change its structure. So you can structure water just by talking to it. So I always try to keep it in this little canister because it's, you know, it's not reusing. So I, I'm always trying to think, okay, what would mother earth feel if I was throwing this shitty plastic on her every day? Well, she's not going to like it. There's some days where you have to use plastic bottles, but for the most part, I have a filter. I fill it up. It's 32 ounces. I know that if I drink four of these a day, I'm at my gallon, right? Pretty damn close to my gallon. These are easy for me to slam down. I don't have to think about it. So it's, it's just, it's bringing consciousness to everything you do so that you're the person that's actually making the decisions instead of the decisions being made for you by some other person. And I, I feel like I grew up somewhat naive, but very, very conscious unconsciously. I didn't know that it, there was a term for it. I didn't know what we were doing. The city I live in probably has a bigger conscious community. I'm somewhat tapped into it. It's just, it's not like the communities that I had in Seattle or the communities that I have in LA or New York or some of these bigger cities. Um, this is still a very, very isolated place. And it's very much so a bubble that's starting to be burst because it's become affordable. So there's new blood coming here, but it's still very heavy agriculture, oil, and those, those are very old school kind of professions. Although some of the people in there are very holistic in their thought processes. It's just, you don't share that a lot because you're, you're not dealing with certain, you know, the, sometimes the, the mentality of the people there are very um, white collar workers. No, white collar, blue collar. Blue collar uh, would be like working with the hands. White collar is desk jockeys like I blue, used to be. Blue collar workers. <laughs> I guess <workers>. still am. <laughs> blue collar workers. Yeah, I don't know the, the color schemes of all these things, but they're, they're out there in the fields. They're out there in the, the oil fields. A lot of them don't get college educations. The city is one of the worst for college educations. We're also the city that came out with the two doctors who I think are fucking morons. Am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Oh yeah, that's fine. I okay. just mark it as explicit. <laughs> okay. Um, those two doctors that came out, they, they actually, I believe, are the owners of an urgent care center. And so they come out saying that what's happening is just ridiculous. And it's like, we all suffer. We all need to make money. You know, you, when the time was good, you're making a buttload of it. I, I don't know what you did with your money, but you're still open for business. And just because people aren't coming in for an elective surgery doesn't mean that they're not coming to see you guys. They're just going to their primary doctors instead of the urgent care centers. Like they're just going somewhere where they're more, they feel safer. So don't try to open up the whole world because of your greed. And I, I, I don't agree with them. I think what they did was 
somewhat irresponsible. Um, I could be wrong in 10 years. It could come out that they were 100% right. It still just came across to me and to a lot of people I know. And we're not talking Republican or Democrat. It's just, just kind of came out. It's just kind of a podunk place. You're talking, uh, I, I'm assuming this is in reference to COVID-19, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. And this will be a dated reference in a year yeah. and a half, like three years yeah. will be dated, but in a year and a half, it'll <laughs> still be, people will still remember March and April of 2020 as, you know, the COVID time. Yeah, the lockdown. Yeah. So you mentioned, I, I mean, you've gone through obviously quite a journey, um, but you're, you, you've shared that you're just starting to, to share more of it. What, um, I guess, why are you doing it? And what, what's the lessons learned from opening it up about sharing, you know, uh, your personal journey, like you've had. Good questions. The answer, the answer keeps evolving from the last time I talk about it, because as, as you do it more, um, it's still not easy. It, it still isn't one of those things that I, I can, I can't even look at you in the eyes on a zoom call. Uh, when I talk about it, cause it still feels so like death. One, I'm not the only person who's gone through it. There, there's something in my story that I feel kind of touches almost everybody. You might not have been divorced ever in your life, Chris, but do you know somebody who's been divorced? Yep. Do you maybe have a family member who's gone through a divorce? Cousin, uh, yes. a, cousin, uh, a very good friend. Yeah. And so you saw how it affected them. Yep. And they might've had good relationships. I had a really tough one. You might know somebody, maybe your childhood was perfect, but my childhood, I remember playing in a closet with, you know, my older brother and another boy and they were older than me. And the older boy was kind of the ringleader. And he was like, Hey, pull down your pants and let's do some exploring. And that, mm. I don't know the length of time that that happened, but I know that there was times that my brother wasn't around and that still went down and it was kind of a weird thing. I had a therapist tell me that that's just what kids do. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. Like, I don't know. For me, it feels like something a little bit more than just something kids do. Like, if you're trying to help me get over it, help me get through it, not just fucking deny that it happened. I can't, like, fuck you, man. He didn't last very long after that. Uh, <laughs> that feels like really bad advice from them as far as like, Oh, that's just what kids do. But if you're sharing it in a way that, you know, it was, it was an experience that stuck with you. There's, there's probably more to it to just be like, nah, just brushing it off like that. That's, that's crazy. It felt a little, it felt a little crazy. And maybe, maybe I, I downplayed it like, Oh, it just happened once or twice. I feel like it happened more times, but I don't recall it. it you, you kind of block those out. Right. So I know people like, oh, I had it done for years. And I'm like, well, your pain isn't any better than mine. Like mine, mine could have happened five times. It could have happened a hundred times. It's still painful as a kid to feel like that's not what I wanted to be doing. Like, that's not what I thought was cool. Like I didn't, I didn't want to play that, that game, but that's just what happened. And so then you kind of stop going to their house because you just feel weird. Yeah. Um, my brother almost ended up burning their house down. I have a feeling there was something that had to do with that those experiments and that because he didn't purposely build, try to burn it down, but I feel like subconsciously, like he tried to burn it down. Um, you know, going through stuff of that nature, it just, it, when you openly connect with people and you share the deepest, darkest things that nobody wants to talk about, it gives them permission to open up and talk about their deepest and darkest secrets. And I think the stats for child molestation are, <laughs> Are, are, are mind boggling because people don't talk about these things. You, you have to have a lot of courage to say the neighbor did this or the priest's son did this or the pastor did this or, you know, my friend's dad or fuck, dude, it could have been your mom's boyfriend or your dad's girlfriend that did these things to you. Yeah. And you're told that if you talk about it, you're going to get in trouble. And then there's just the shame that goes around. Like you're a kid. You don't have, you don't need to be shameful. It gives me goosebumps. Like you don't have to be shameful around these things. You have to open up and talk about it. And we can't get through life until we get through why we're having blocks. 
you know, the, the line that my parents used to say was just get over it. I'm like, I can't fucking get over it. I'm fucking angry. Like, let me be angry. Like I need to be angry. I need to let this out. Like, give me a path to let this out. Teach me how to get over it. Don't just tell me, teach me. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't there. That did. And that, and that, and then, 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 then that manifested different things. And so I had to learn how to deal with these things. It cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in myself. It's not a cost. It was an investment. And I have an MBA from school. I didn't learn fucking shit there. I didn't learn anything that I feel like would benefit me. I, the one thing I remember is that I learned that Apple's not a technology company. It's a marketing company. That's what I remember from my MBA. <laughs> um, and, it, and it served me well because it made me realize that in order to make money, you need to not be in love with your service and product. You need to know how to market. Yeah. It just served me well in life. But on the flip side, I mean, it's why I reach out to you guys to do these podcasts. This is marketing for us, right? This content is great, but you know, like I, I'm very transparent. Like this is also how you get your name out there. You got yep. to get your face and voice and your story out. Otherwise people, you're just the guy that had a great story. You're the gal that had a great story and then you died and you never shared it with anybody. So people didn't get to get the real benefit that they could have got had you shared it. So for me, the reason I share it is I want to give you, I, I want to make a new disease, right? COVID, COVID-19 came around. They got to make up a new disease. Fuck it. I'm going to make up a new disease. It's called the Vikram disease. And the Vikram disease is that you're 100% vulnerable. And I hope it spreads like wildfire. I mean, people are scared of COVID. I hope that everybody gets infected with the Vikram di- disease. And that's the vulnerability bug. The more vulnerable I am with you, the more you trust me. The more you trust me and you open up to me knowing like, fuck, dude, this guy's had a divorce. He's been through jail. He grew up with a doctor's family. He grew up in an Indian household. Like we don't talk about this shit in my house. Yeah. You come to my house, the lawn is perfectly manicured. The lines are in the carpet. The lines are in the lawn, right? Like it's beautiful. My mom works her ass off to maintain my parents' house. It's a full-time job that never ends. But in that perfection, there has to be imperfection, right? So even though the line looks perfect, if you look at the line, it's got a little jagged, it's not perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. And I felt like I had to grow up in a life where everything was perfect. If you're not perfect, you get in trouble. You get compared to the next kid. They didn't do it to hurt me. That's just what they knew. But it really fucked with me as I got older because I never felt good enough. I never felt worthy enough. I never felt like I was lovable. But I always felt like in order to get love, I had to do more and be better, which is what I always try to do, more and be better. That's built into my DNA as a Capricorn, I guess, but it's also something that I learned from my environment. You never settle for second. You always strive for the best. You don't get appreciation awards. You just go, 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 go. Like, dude, you're at home. You got a newborn we know it. It's no big deal. Like I know you want perfect audio. I can see you <laughs> muting this stuff for all you out there that like for, that can't see this. Chris is muting this channel left and right. Like he's doing his best to keep the audio perfect for you because you just came off of NPR and they recorded in a $15 million studio and he's doing it in his office. That's got a kid like three feet away from him. Right over there. Yeah. Yeah. Like and a wife seven feet away. That's like, honey, the kid needs your attention right now. Wrap this shit up. This is real life. Yeah. And if we can talk about it. We can open up the blocks and we can see what we need to work on. Right. I'm not going to do the work. I'm going to be your guide for you to do the work. That's all I am. I'm just a guide here on this planet. And I was put through this stuff and I was given the voice that I was given to share it with people. Like I got in a big ass fight with my little brother yesterday. And he goes, see, you didn't learn shit. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But I can tell you one thing. It took me a lot more from you to get upset than in the past. Yeah. So I've improved. So I might not be perfect, but I've come a long way. And that's what I want. It's the whole point of the journey, right? Is to just be constantly growing. That's... uh... That was the big shift for me about three, how long has it been now? Three and a half years ago was just start, start the journey, All right. be better every day, 
better tomorrow than you were the previous day. It doesn't matter the amount, just keep striving forward. And uh, I, that is really a big part of the podcast as well as to help people get to that next level incrementally, because it's not going to happen overnight. Um, you know, like your personal journey has taken you how long? Right, exactly. Right. And, and for the people that they start off in this low point, they start making some changes and, and for, unfortunately they start comparing themselves to people on like Instagram and, and all these social platforms that is, is really designed to show your highlights uh, and, and they think that's reality and then they give up and they just go, oh, I'm just going to go back to the way it was. Cause it was easier. Right. It's, it's too bad, but I, I like the idea of, uh, trying to help people become more vulnerable. Right. That's, that's, that's exactly what I think a lot of people need to, 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 to move on in their, their, their journey of life. Yeah, I mean, when I was at Tony, so Tony doesn't do as many in his big stages anymore. And I don't know what it's going to look like moving in after this. Tony stopped doing his big interventions, unfortunately, a few years back at his bigger, he still does them, but not as many as he did the first time I went there. It was like, boom, 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 because real life examples have the most impact. Yeah. Unfortunately, now with the internet and the way that people are, they, they used his snippets to basically attack him. So people would be recording it and then they'll take a five minute, 10 minute answer and they'd condense it to a minute and make him look like a, whatever he is or he isn't. I mean, I, I don't know if he's a good man in his past life or a bad man. All I can see is what I see in front of me is a man that seems to care very much about growth and results mm-hmm. because he'll spend 18 hours in a fucking ice cold room with you and literally pee two times and eat like three walnuts and four supplements. And that will be a full day of nutrition. Yeah. It's crazy. I watched, uh, his, I guess it's a documentary. I'm not your guru. Right. It was, it was really good. I've, I've never actually, I've never gone to a Tony Robbins event. I've, uh, just only heard of, you know, the stories and I was kind of like, I don't know if that would be my scene or whatever, but watching the documentary, I was kind of like, okay, I can see why, I can see why people go to this and pay enormous amount of money to be a part of his events and his, his world. It's, it looks infectious. It looks like you get in there and, and you just can't help get this energy from him and, and the audience. You know, one of the things that I remember from one of his events, and this is what powers me. He said, you think I had this and, you know, somebody said something, well, you live in this world, Tony, you're around these people all the time. He says, yeah, dumbass. I fucking created my world. I created the reality I wanted. I didn't want to hang out with negative people. I didn't want to hang out with people who weren't associated with growth. I didn't want to hang out with people. Who all they do is complain. Yeah. You're going to complain at times, right? We're all going to complain at times. It's just, boom, how do we snap out of it? How do we snap out of it? How do we snap out of it? He said, so eventually the people that I was around started to change the people that were complaining and they're always the victim started going away. And the people who had complaints, but they were trying to figure out how to become the victor. They, they rose to the top. He said, and I just created layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of people that I wanted to hang out with. And then that became my platinum partners. And then that grew so much because there are so many people who wanted to hang out in this world and in this environment, in this culture, then that became, you know, then there's another step. So it used to be the plaz and then it's the lions and there'll be something else that evolves from that because people that go through level one, then they go through level two, then they go through level three. And every time they level up their personal selves, they can make more money mm. because they end up realizing, okay, well, what, what do I want money for? You know, okay, I got to make a half million dollars a year. I need $150,000 to live on. I'm saving $250,000 a year. So I give a hundred grand to the government. I got $800,000 in the bank and whatever investment accounts. It's growing five, 8% a year. I spend the interest back into the account. So I'm not even taking money out of there. Like, what am I doing with all this money? And you start to become disinterested because you have all this money that's just sitting there doing nothing good. Yeah. Like it's protecting your family. Yeah. And it it doesn't, 
yeah, it's not adding more value. I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet with a lot of people that have had uh, financial abundance because uh, I want to specify that it was financial. And a lot of them, they, they say you get to a point where you're kind of like, yeah, it's, it's nice to earn more money and increase your net worth, but it doesn't make your life much happier as far as, as where there, it's almost like a diminishing return until you finally get to a point where it's like, it sometimes can even create, uh, uh, it, it can suck joy out of life. So uh-huh. then what they start doing is, is exactly what you're saying. They start giving and they, they give back however they can. And then that's where they, they get that next level of fulfillment out of life. And, and that's, I think that should be what everybody strives for, not to have the Lambos and all that stuff, like (laughs) what's promoted online quite a bit. But it's if you can get to a point where you've got financial abundance, you're going to find a lot more joy because eventually you're going to want to start giving back and helping others. And and dude, I'm going to have maybe not a Lambo. I'm not really a big Lambo, dude. I think they look great. Maybe it'll be a Ferrari. Maybe it'll be a McLaren. Maybe it'll be some Porsches. I don't know. I'm going to have a stable of cars, just like some people that have money have a stable of horses. You know, in one regards, the horses are considered good. I just want my ponies to come in a V12 <laughs> and that I don't have to pick up their shit. You know, like I, it's a lot of poop. Um, I'm not against financial abundance and material items. There's There's nothing wrong with having a $20,000 watch or a $400,000 car, but don't just do it for those. Mm. Do it because you're doing other stuff. Like I know the best $10,000 I've spent. I donated over the course of a couple of years, I donated, you know, 15 or 18, $20,000 to make a wish, but 10,000 of it was I pledged one wish. So in my real estate days, I pledged to pay one wish for the Make-A-Wish Foundation in Seattle. It just came in a couple months ago that I paid off the 10 grand. So on top of all the other donations I gave, but I was like, I'm giving a wish. And even when I didn't work all throughout 2018, I didn't have a job in 2018. I made some money in real estate referrals. I kept I kept the, the, the thing going. And every month I saw it, I'm like, I have so much. I have so much that I can give hundreds of dollars to these charities every month. Like, I'm so blessed. Like, I'm I don't need to go out and buy a new shirt, but every month, no matter what, I never turned off the, the funnel to them. Mm. And there was a month where it was like, you know, like, where's the money going to come from? And I just said, you know what? Forget it. Who cares? Like, it's just going to show up. It always does. And every month never had a problem. And when you have that mindset of giving, 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 the world changes for you and you change, the world doesn't change, you change and you start seeing differently. And so there's nothing wrong with the house. There's nothing wrong with the cars. If that's all you have though, then that's shallow. If you have $100,000 a year going out to charity and you make $10 million a year and you're giving 100,000 or 200 or 500, you know, whatever the money is, you're giving a large percentage of every check, boom, like five or 10% every time to a charity of your choice, you're, you're gonna do fine in life. You're going to continuously be blessed. And then you go out with your extra money and you buy your nice house. You buy the car you want. You buy the shoes you want. Your wife wants to buy a Chanel purse. Fine. No problem. But she also says, honey, if somebody says I want your purse, like I might just give this purse to the, to somebody one day. I like literally might just, you know, if I'm sitting at a ball game and somebody goes, I like your purse, I might just be like, do you want it? And I'll take their purse and I'll give them my purse. So just just be aware that like, don't be attached to this, even if you bought it for me as a gift, because I might re-gift it to somebody else because we're just so blessed. And like, yeah. I don't care about this. This is the same leather as this purse, but they massaged it a little bit more. Like, no, it just, you know, somebody else gets more pleasure out of it. They can have it. So just, honey, I, I just want you to know that if you buy me this, I might give it to somebody else and I want you to be okay with that. And I'm like, babe, it's yours to do with whatever you want. Like, I'd be kind of shocked that you give away a $10,000 purse. But at this, on the flip side, I'd be like, damn, dude, my wife is badass. <laughs> How bad? Dude, fuck everything else. Like my wife's a fucking baller, yo. She just threw. And those are the, some of the role models that I've seen. And every time they do those things, my aunt does that. She was at a ball game 
and she gave away her purse to somebody sitting next to her. It wasn't a $10,000 purse, but when they bought it, it was like a billion dollars for them. And now they're super uberly successful and she will literally give the clothes off of her back to somebody. And mm -hmm. so will he. He's like, okay, um, you need a donation? Yeah, here, call my wife. They're like, well, can't you do it? He's like, yeah, but you'll get more from my wife. So you probably want to talk to her. He tells them what to do. They're like, like I, you got a hold of me, but I'll give you like $500. She'll probably give you 10,000. She might even join your board. Like who knows? She might do a fundraiser for you at our house and we raise $500,000. I don't know, but talk to her, not me. And they're like, yeah. okay, bye. <laughs> so, um, so that's why I share it because I want you to share and I want to work with you to get through your blockage. Maybe you don't have a lot of blocks. And then we could just dive right in and figure out what you're, what you're doing and how to, how to improve your productivity. Right. Um, yeah, there's, we've, we've definitely covered a lot. It's been, and I really appreciate how open you've been. Uh, I knew this was going to be that kind of episode. I mentioned it on our, one of our calls that I, I just had this feeling it was going to be quite raw. And so we've covered a lot and I wanted to see, and ask you a final question with everything that we've covered, what would be that one piece of advice you would share with the audience to help them up level up wherever they need it most? You know, the, the, the biggest way for me to level myself up and I'll, I'll speak to myself because I don't know your audience very well. So I'll speak to myself. The biggest thing for me to level up is forgiving myself for all the things that I've done because they were all there for a purpose and everybody who's touched my life needed what I gave them so that they could have the life that they were supposed to have. There's no coincidences when it comes to the pain that we go through. There's no coincidences when it comes to the learnings that we go through. There's no coincidences when it comes to the people that cross our paths. It's just a matter of we open to letting that in or not. And so my, my advice is all those things that just killed you, and that you want to bury, you know, being touched by somebody, being raped by somebody, right? All those blocks that you have that are emotional, that manifest its way into stress or into feelings of, I'm not worthy of this job. I, I, I mean, there was literally times where I'd bring in commission checks that were five figures. And I would just think, why me instead of some, like, what did I do? Did, I grew up in a fucking fat ass house. My parents live in an 8,000 square foot house. Yeah, it's not in Beverly Hills, but it's still an 8,000 square foot house. Anywhere you put it, it's a badass house. Yeah. Like, that's what I came back from India to. It was a, a, like a Toyota Land Cruiser, which was super expensive, a Mercedes or a BMW, I don't know, whatever was in the garage, and an 8,000 square foot house. It was insane. Like, we went from a normal house to this. Coming back from a third world country, I was like, Phew. People feel like just because you grow up like that, you, you aren't allowed to have problems. You're not allowed to have insecurities. Bad shit's not supposed to have happened to you because you're privileged. Well, guess what? Bad shit happens to everybody, but it's not bad unless you see it as bad. Mm -hmm. If you see it as good, it's a learning lesson. If you see it as bad, it's, it's bad. Of course, it, it is, your reality is your truth. So don't look at the things that you've been through as a victim. Look at them as a victor. Look at everything you've been through with pride and joy and say, you know what? The person who I am today, oh, it gives me goosebumps. The person you are today is due to the things that you went through yesterday and hopefully and bless the people that you hurt along the way. And I hope that the people that came into my path when I was a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a Tasmanian devil at the same time, I, I pray that those people became better because of what they had to go through because they learned that, okay, people like Vikram at that time are people you should avoid at all costs because Vikram wasn't the person that inside he was that person but on the outside he was not he was he was out of alignment and so he thought he was going left but he was really going right in circles don't be vikram be like sam be like chris be like john be like somebody else who's still going straight they might veer to the right a little bit they catch themselves and they like automatically adjust like when you're driving don't beat yourself up be vulnerable look if you're watching this podcast you're probably trying to be a coach right mm. Possibly some, I know some are, um, really it's just anybody who's looking to build a life for themselves. The easiest way to, the easiest way to connect with people is being open and raw. No, nobody will ever fault you because you got molested as a kid. 
people will fault you because you try to hide it and you turn into a fucking fuck face because of it. But nobody's mm. going to say, oh my God, you were molested as a child. You're an asshole. They say you got molested as a child. Let's, let's work through this so that you stop treating everybody in your life like shit. Like you can't control what happened to you, but you can't control what happens next to the people around you because of what happened. So let it go. You're five years old. You're a baby. You're a puppy. You're so cute and innocent. I'm not sorry that it happened to you. I'm sorry that you continue letting that play out in your life. I'm excited that these things happen to you because that just means that you are a normal fucking person. Don't let that continue to run your life and open up, share freely. Yeah, you might lose some friends. Yeah, you might get some people to talk shit. Those aren't your friends and those aren't the people you want. And you know, the people that are going to be the, the hardest hit are the family members because those are the ones that are the hardest hit, but those are the ones that come around the strongest in the long time. And so they're the ones who are for a lot of people. For me, it's my biggest challenge is talking about things that have to do with family because it, it affects other people. But then at the same time, the only reason why it affects them is because they're still hurting and they need to go through their personal journey. So just yeah. be open and be honest and be real and be raw and let this podcast be your guiding light to just open up at all times. And like, we you don't need Chris's permission or my permission, but use us as a sounding board. Every time you want to bite your tongue, just be like, maybe this will help somebody. Even if it helps one person, it'll help. This, this podcast, literally, I'm, I'm almost positive, can save a life. I, yeah, that would be... I'd be happy with that, of course, <laughs> uh, and to, right to now, have that kind of impact. Yeah. I get, dude, I guarantee you if this, if somebody shares this with somebody who's, and a lot of times you don't know who's down suicide wise. And so if you share this podcast with somebody, right. And I hope you guys are sharing this, right. That's why we're doing it. We want this to touch lives. I guarantee if you talk to somebody that's going through financial struggles or they grew up in a big house or they grew up in a certain way and they think they have to be a certain way. I guarantee you when they hear this and they're like, fuck dude, we can just be real and raw. And guess what? Your parents are going to come around. And if they don't, you're not here to make them happy. You're here to make your soul happy. Bless them, love them, praise them, send light to them, but go do you boo. You deserve it. You've earned it. And, and that's all I can say is, just fucking crush it, man. And don't be scared to share because that's how we get connected to people that all the influencers in the world we see is because they shared something with us that was so vulnerable that we felt that connection. That's the only difference between you and an, and an influencer is that they've connected with more people. Right. And the reason why is because they shared something that was probably vulnerable at some point. They might, maybe they did something that was really exciting business wise, but eventually they share that vulnerableness about what pushed them and drove them. And it was typically because of a lot of pain growing up. So let your pain be your power. Yeah, that's very, very good advice. Um, I, I, I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of impact with something like this. There's just, it's hard for, for vulnerability like that to not influence or impact people. So if, and like you said, if somebody wanted to reach out and connect with you because they, they sense that this is something, it's a safe place for them, where is that best place for them to find you? Uh, the, the easiest place is just DM me on Instagram. Okay. You know, I'm on all the, I'm on all the platforms, but, um, if you DM me on Instagram, that's probably the easiest. I'm spending the most time there right now to build that platform. Um, it's where all the young people are at. And that's who I really want to work with is people that are 40 and under. I mean, I'll work with anybody, but I'd love to work with the 40 and under generation because that's, uh, I just see a, a dire need for those kids that grew up with such easy lives and now their lives are being rocked and they're, they're yeah. struggling. Um, or they grew up with families that are still so traditional and they're not. So go to Instagram. It's Vikram underscore Diol underscore. Um, awesome. That's where you find me, man. Awesome. Thanks Vikram. That was, uh, as I mentioned before, that was quite raw. It was a pleasure to have you on uh, and, and definitely looking to having some future conversations with you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I, uh, and I look forward to uh, reconnecting not every three years. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks for listening to Get Coach 360. 
If you're looking for more information, you can head over to our website, which is getcoach360.com. You'll find the show notes for this and every other episode there. And if getting actionable advice every week from professional coaches is something you want more of, then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.